Well, good morning and uh, welcome to this part of the service. I want to welcome each one. Thanks for coming. Welcome to the, uh, there's some visitors here and uh, just thank you all for coming. And uh, I guess it makes it more complete. The more that are here, the the happier we are. Um, however, that is not, should we say that's not our goal? It's more, our goal should be to please Jesus Christ, live for Him. And uh, today I guess we're going to look at the last beatitude, We've been spending quite a bit of time in here. I figured maybe one message or so, I'd be through the Beatitudes. Now, I think this is almost number seven, I think, um, or eight. So we're looking at the last Beatitude. This was one that maybe didn't come together so easily. It's not really something we enjoy thinking about, really. And it's not, you know, you can't get so excited about it. It's not, it's not so much a part of you. I mean, it's, um, however, we have to face reality. This is truth that Jesus shared, and it's just as important as any of the other truth that he shared. And, uh, and we face it. It says that we will. And uh, so I've learned some through this, and I hope you can learn some. Because there's actually various ways of persecution. And one thing that I thought of, I guess I'll get this rabbit out of the way right away before I get started. Um, one thing that we can take comfort in is if we look in history... And we, we shared a little this morning in Sunday school about it. When uh, Stephen was being stoned, he was being persecuted. He was being stoned, which is one form of persecution. What did Stephen see? He could see Jesus standing there. Should that not comfort us? When... When we are being persecuted in whatever form, we can know that Jesus is right there. That should be our comfort. And uh, I'm wanting to get ahead of myself. That's why we can actually be glad. Matthew five ten to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and shall say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
maybe I will insert. You know, we can get so wrapped up in this world and we want a good name. You know, we don't want to be thought of as maybe an old fuddy-duddy or whatever. I mean, we like, we are, maybe we should say our carnal flesh kind of likes to be looked up to. You know, but Jesus had shared, I don't think I have it in my notes, is woe unto you when they shall speak well of you. For those, for so they did about the false prophets. I don't have it all here. But Jesus said, woe unto you if they speak well of you. So in that perspective is what we want to be sharing today is it's so easy that we can be, get lenient or that we water down the truth to appease them or please them. And it's woe unto us if that's what we do. You know, in our minds, we may think persecution and extreme happiness do not go together. We don't, that's not how I would naturally see it. If I'm not, another thing I would uh, encourage you is let's keep the eternal perspective in our minds. And that's actually how we should live. That's what Jesus is really calling us to, is living our life with eternal perspective, never losing focus on that. Now this exceedingly glad, I don't have it on the PowerPoint. There's other words I want to bring out, but I looked that up, and it was just jump for joy is what exceedingly glad word means, is jump for joy. Now can you imagine... I get this picture <clears throat> of, you know how children are when it's their birthday or when it's Christmas and the presents are there and, oh, they're just excited. And all of a sudden, it's time that they can open up their gift. You know, oh, they're just excited and jumping. That's the exceedingly glad. Can we imagine that we, is our heart so in tune with Jesus I'm going on a rabbit again. Um, that I can leap for joy that I am being persecuted for him, for his sake, for righteousness. Is that where my heart is? Is my treasure Jesus Christ? That I live in a way that I could care less if someone, I will rejoice, I will leap for joy, I will jump for joy if I can be persecuted. That does not come natural. That is a supernatural happening inside. That's Christ in you is the only way that we can jump for joy. And it's, I see myself, I'm being honest, I see myself, I want to shy away from it. I don't see myself jumping for joy. But yet he is asking us, he is commanding us, 
Jump for joy. Be exceedingly glad. It blows my mind. You see, the world sees it as foolishness. So where is our heart on this issue of persecution? You see, what Jesus is trying to do, he's bringing us up, bringing us up, what he, and each beatitude kind of builds on the other one. What he's bringing is, he's bringing us up to thinking the way God thinks. Paul said, wrote, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In that position is where we can jump for joy. You see, human thinking is not godly thinking. And uh, human wisdom is not godly wisdom. We can't rely on our own thinking. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. We become partakers. We're, we have the mind of Christ, Paul said too. We have the eternal perspective. Then we can also say, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, I win. Coming to Christ is a life-changing experience. You see, when you surrender your life, it is such a change that it it just turns your life upside down. Why? Because we are now partakers of the divine nature of God. And um, because of the divine power of God that has drawn us, and then we have the mind of Christ. It just flips us upside down. Life does not look the same anymore, or it shouldn't. And if Christ is supreme in our life, he will dictate all our relationships. He will protect, guide, and direct our beliefs, thoughts, and emotions. Maybe I'll share a little with the youth. It's not on my nose. It's another rabbit I'm following. Um, when it comes time to find a partner, okay, have the mind of Christ. Let him be supreme and let him dictate your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, your... Um, you'll never be sorry. And if you want to know if you're on track, analyze the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, 
peace. If you violate, you lose peace. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it's only through him that we can do that. And uh, I just want to encourage you in that. And the world will see you and may mock you. That is so old-fashioned. But count it joy. As you may have thought, the mocking can be a form of persecution. You see, the sad part is that many Christians today have lowered their personal standards for righteous living. While our, while our standards have, may have changed, God's standards for righteousness have not changed. Personal holiness is still part of the required curriculum in following Jesus. If we could only see the beauty of holiness. We are called to a righteous life, and in that is where we face persecution. You see, we face opposition because darkness or evil, they hate the light. John 3.20. They don't come into the light. They hate it because their deeds are revealed. So now let's do a little word study here. The word... Persecute is dioko. It's to put to flight, drive away, or to pursue. Another one was place was to harass or to treat in an evil way. So we can be persecuted in several ways. You see, if you're working with someone and you're I've experienced that in at work is you sometimes you don't even have to say anything when you're in the light and you're working and the others are evil I mean at times it was hard to work with them their attitudes and something would happen and man they'd fly off you know and curse and there was one time I said, what color purple was that? And then, but since after that then, whenever I was there, um, if they, the words would slip, they would stop and apologize. Um, and I said, well, you're not accountable to me. It's to God you have to be. I mean, he'll hear you all the time. Then there's some others like they were respectful then. But then there's some others that you work with that they'll, they may make some remarks of um, ask him, he's holier than I am. You know, that's, that's a form of they don't like that light. 
It's just a mild form of persecution. You're not accepted. They don't want you in their circle. That you're an arm length away. Um, that's just a form. Not, I'm not saying that Jesus was totally teaching this, but it is a form of like a mocking or a, later the mocking will come. But it's to put to flight, drive away. They'll make remarks that'll just, it pushes you away. Or it may be they pursue you. They're going to come and get you, and that's the sawing asunder or eyes poked out or molten lead poured in their mouth or all that evil stuff that has happened already. It's the false accusations. We can rejoice to know that we are in his kingdom and great is our reward. It's promised. And we dare not seek popularity in the world or acceptance. See, Jesus said, oops, I'm jumping. We'll go to the next word. Onarizo is to defame, rail at, chide, taunt. Or a simple version is to mock or to heap insults. That would be the mocking. The, uh, the, like Jesus, when he's sharing there, he, blessed are they which are persecuted. And then later, blessed are ye, he's kind of explaining when they revile you or persecute you or say all manner of evil. It's different ways. Maybe... The reason I think it's important that we share the persecution is where the government is at, really. Um, you're so homophobic, or you're so intolerant, or you're so narrow-minded. And even when Obama had uh, openly acknowledged, you know, that he supports gay marriage, um, now sometimes there may be representatives or whatever that they'll, they'll even remark that, yeah, he's for the hate group. That's us. That's where the government is getting at, too. So I think we need to get our hearts and minds focused where it needs to be focused. Because it could be coming where it's not just mocking. It may be pursuing us. We don't know. But remember... We can jump for joy. We are to jump for joy. Because look at what Jesus did. And Jesus is right there. When we're going through it, he is standing, ready. Right there. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will never leave you nor forsake you. All kinds of evil would be to slander by stating things that are not true. So don't be a, don't be offendal, offendal, huh? Don't be offended. Keep eternal perspective. Now we're going where I wanted to be. Do not, let's not seek popularity. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring pre peace, but a sword.
he goes on to explain it. He'll even divide families because of, and that happens more in the, maybe, would you say the Muslim circles where there's a, where it divides families, but it will here too. <clears throat> if I want to be a friend of the world, I make myself an enemy of God. James 4.4. 4. So my question is, for myself and for you, what am I living for? Where do I get my ideas? Um, when people see me, do they see me as different from the world? May not even totally be my dress, but just my attitude, my, just the way I am. Where do I get my ideas? Is it from Scripture? Is it, am I trying to please God? Am I doing all to the glory of God? Or does it appear that I may be the next rock star? You know, where do I get my ideas? Where do I get my styles? Where is my mind? My mind means to be, or my treasure, I should maybe say. My treasure needs to be in heaven. Paul also said, yes, and all who desire to live godly, is that our desire in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. Just reaffirming who really is our friend. Bonhoeffer wrote, he is a martyr. When a man encounters Jesus, he will do one of two things. Either he must die or he must put Christ to death. That's what every person has to choose. And he was hung on the gallows. Two years later, the one that was there as a witness and pronouncing him dead saw that he, he was, there was the most peaceful death that he ever witnessed, hanging on a gallow. He had just surrendered and it was over. And, uh, where is my heart? I mean, I am challenged. Can I count it all joy? So which one of these have I done? Do I find myself totally committed to living a Christ-centered, God-honoring, kingdom-focused, self-denying life? Is that me? If, I, if that is who I am, I will find myself at odds with a self-indulgent world. I will be at odds. Every virtue stated in the Beatitudes is at odds with the world. So let's do a little bit of a review. 
There's two groups of four. And each group ends with righteousness. First group is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the second group ends with, this is the outcome, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You see, the three Beatitudes leading up to the fourth one is a holy emptiness. We are spiritually bankrupt. We mourn our condition. It's meek. I have nothing to defend. That's God. And then the next three are descriptions of the filling of righteousness in the form of merciful, being merciful and pure in heart and a peacemaker. Then in that is where we face the persecution. The true righteousness the righteousness that surpasses the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, as Jesus was teaching, always involves a relationship with Jesus. See, true righteousness is not done for my own sake. The mercy, the purity, the peacemaking of a disciple of Jesus come from Jesus and are done for the honor of Jesus. It is this attachment to Jesus that gives our righteousness its distinct character. That's why it stands out. That's why it's offensive. You see, there's another thing I could share on. The cross is offensive. It is an offense. And it's even, the cross is even an offense to my own flesh. It doesn't want to die. The cross is a, a big, a huge offense. And let's remember, we are no greater than our Lord. Jesus came and he shared the truth and was crucified for it. And then persecution actually enables us to identify with Christ. And it doesn't leave us just hanging there with a sad note that we're going to be persecuted. He says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. There's a mystery here. It's the mystery of joy in the midst of agony, the mystery of gladness in the midst of misery and groaning. So what is this mystery? It's contained in a miracle named faith. The bedrock assurance that heaven is a hundredfold compensation for any and every pain. When we suffer pain for the sake of Jesus Christ, there is great re reward in heaven for us. And I believe the only way to accomplish this is to have our treasure in heaven. And we'll, and we'll, that's actually something that he'll be teaching on, on back through the Sermon on the Mount. 
In some ways it looks scary if you look ahead to see what all I have to cover yet. But praise the Lord, it's, it's his work, not mine. If someone should ask whether having our heart in heaven makes us useless here on earth, we can read the next two verses and find out, no, it's not. If our treasure is in heaven, where your treasure is, there is your heart also, your whole being is heaven-focused. We have the eternal perspective. But that doesn't mean that we're worthless here on earth because we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That type of person is the one that Jesus Christ uses to further his kingdom. So in closing, I want to share four points or maybe four ways to respond to persecution in a God-honoring way. First of all, let's recognize the source. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are in the battle with forces of evil. We may see the person and we almost hate the person, but it's, it's the spirit behind this. We're in a spiritual battle. That's where persecution comes from. It's from the devil himself. He hates all good. There is no good in him. Number two is refuse to retaliate. Paul wrote, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Jesus also taught about loving your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who despitefully use you, I think it says. We don't retaliate. Vengeance is not part of our job description. It's God's. Respond positively. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We could use the same verse that Jesus had taught. You see, the key to this is, and this can be any part in life, if we're always trying to get even, we're never going to get ahead. You're always trying to get even. So let's stop trying to get even and let's just get ahead. Remember that, children. It doesn't pay to try to get even. You're not going to get ahead. You're just always trying to get even. Reflect on God's will. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. 
reflect on his will. will. You see, Jesus never preached the prosperity gospel. Far from it, really. You see, his final promise in the Beatitudes was persecution for those who live out the qualities of the other seven. So my final words. I'll rephrase it. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for great is your reward in heaven. Jesus commands us to expect persecution and rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. In him and through him is the only way that we can do it, regardless of the type of persecution. We must keep that eternal perspective. That's a must. That's the only way to make it through if we're ever pursued. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sharing with us today your, your desires, your heart. Father, I pray first for my heart that this truth would be rooted so deep. Write it on the tablets of my heart, Lord, that I expect persecution and that my treasure is truly in heaven with you, that Jesus Christ is my treasure, my hope, my rock. that all that I say, do, and think would ultimately come from you and please you. And Father, in and of myself, I can't do it. So I personally just surrender to you everything Come what may, I want to be able to jump for joy because of how precious you are to me. Lord, that's the desire of my heart. And I trust that's the desire of this whole congregation. you are so precious that nothing will separate us from you. Nothing. Even death can't separate us. Father, we trust that you will grant us the desires of our heart. And may we flourish in you, Lord. May we be the salt and light that you call us to be. And that we patiently endure persecution if it comes and when it comes. And may we always recognize the source. May we always refuse to retaliate. 
Enable us, Father, to respond positively and to reflect on your will always. Help us, Lord. We cry out to you. We need you. It's only through you and in you. Just bless each one, Father. My love for each one is, as you know, is great. But I know your love is actually greater yet. So, Father, just draw us to you continually. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.